When it comes to car building, you don't always have to rewrite the recipe book. What I try for is I try to have my own lightly tweaked, oh, that's pleasant, flavorful, but a little different chicken noodle soup. I stay there in that anchor, but I do my own little version. Welcome to What Moves You, a Speedway Motors podcast where we tell the stories behind the cars and the people who build and drive them. I'm Joe McCullough, and in this episode, Steve Strope joins us to talk about how he blurs the lines between reality, history, and plausible reality to build attention-getting, award-winning cars. So the first question, start at the very beginning, how did you first start doing car stuff? I can remember very far back being at friends of my parents' house, and they had boys that are older than me. So I would have, I'd be four or five years old and their, their older boys were probably already 12, 10. Um, and, uh, I was given a box of hot wheels or actually there were matchbox. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. And, uh, there, there are, and there is a difference. And as I got older and got those toys and now later on in the story, I'll, I'm actually I wind up doing work for Mattel. There's definite differences between Matchbox and (laughs) Hot Wheels. But anyway, uh, I was just, um, I remember clearly being enamored with the little green cigarette indie car, the Jimmy Clark. I didn't know it back then, but it was the green Ford Lotus indie car. Matchbox made a car of that. And I, that was the one I, played with or used the most um i was very drawn to what appears to be performance automotive things uh i'm from a very 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 small farm town in upstate new york called appalachian hmm. um so there's no real hot rods there's no real muscle cars or i mean there's stuff spattered around don't get me wrong uh luckily for me uh immediate family lived very close my my parents lived mile and a half, maybe, from my grandmother's house. Flanking my grandmother's house is one of my aunts and one of my uncles. So, and uh, all the other, my my father has uh, multiple siblings, and they all live close by. Uh, luckily for me, um, one of my cousins that lived on the side of the grandma's house and the other house next door had a mid seventies Camaro. And like everything in New York, eight months out of the year, you know, it's got snow tires on it and it's Mm -hmm. just normal Camaro. But during the summer, he had hijacker air shocks, Lakewood traction bars and hooker chrome side pipes, chrome cragger SS mags, Indy SS profile tires. So things sat with a stance and. You know, I I would I remember standing in the there's a very large grass lawn field between my grandmother's house and my uncle's house, and I would just walk almost hypnotized from my grandmother's over to Uncle Dick's house, just staring at that Camaro. Mm-hmm. Walking over there, you're looking directly at the side profile of the car, and was completely enamored with that car. Hanging in my office here, I have a drawing I made in sixth grade. One of the very few A's I ever got. Um, <laughs> of uh, I was I went to a very small private school, and um, the and I'm not kidding. The twelve kids in sixth grade became the twelve kids next year in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. 
very small, very small. So anyway, I, I drew this car because I was in sixth grade and one of the seniors named Jim, I know his first name, had a triple black 68 runner. I would almost miss the bus every day because I'd be at the other end of the parking lot where he parked it just to watch him fire it up and drive away mm-hmm. and then have to run back to grab the bus. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, four speed chrome, chrome aluminum slots, you know, just perfect. And uh, sounded real healthy from my memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, like uh, older guys will remember the J.C. Whitney catalogs. I just pour over them. All the cool, you know, chrome exhaust pipes for your Honda CB750, or cool <laughs> porthole window for your van, just everything and anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I modified every toy I had modified all my slot cars everything got altered and changed everything nothing got left alone and then discovered bmx along with a whole bunch of people like timmy strange strange sponsors of bmx team at, mm-hmm. uh, over at strange motion zane collin from katadi speed shop uh chip foos all of us grew up as bmx kids and the bmx thing was the gateway drug because you learned how to use wrenches and tools. You also learned what it felt like to strip out a bolt, mm-hmm. the things not to do. You also learned how to take pride in putting something together and it works properly. And it was it was a massive ocean of customization. Right. We go into the trails and ride. My bike is the Chrome, you know, Super Goose with GT Pro forks with red components. My friend David Rising was a blue PK Ripper with chrome components. Mm-hmm. So and so's bike was a white red line with red components. It's very personalized. Right. So that, you know, in the words of Robert Peterson, the the man who begat Hot Rod magazine, a hot rod is a vehicle that is modified by the owner for better looks and performance. And if that wasn't my BMX bike, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. You know, so that of course, luckily for me, a couple of guys nearby my house. And I, li- I, I again, I lived out in the sticks. We have a road that went through Appalachian. Anyway, there was a whole bunch of guys that did uh, dirt track, NASCAR, and and asphalt. We had tracks right near me. The school, the uh, where my high school was, down in a town next to us, Oigo, had a racetrack there. We had Shangri La, five mile point. Uh, we had a speedway motorcycle track, you know, so there was racing going on all around me, grassroots racing. So I would go down and watch these guys stick welding these, you know, cobbled together roll cages in 73 Chevelles, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so that was, you know, the hook had already been in my mouth with my cousin's Camaro and Jim's Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. But that just, you know, did it. And uh obsessed anything i could get my hands on there weren't tons of car magazines around but i would find one somewhere or get one from a cousin or something and uh obsess over that then it turned to i actually got my first car which was an old cutlass uh then that went to a road race scca road race set up carmen Ghia. that went to a 67 el camino and then el camino went through a couple of different evolutions um, and when I moved from New York to California in 95, I brought that car out, timed it that I stopped at the Hot Rod Magazine Super Nationals in Ohio, 
And their editor, the aforementioned editor, Jeff Smith, pulled me aside with Rob Canan and said, we want to feature your car for Hot Rod, hmm. which blew my mind. And I had <clears throat> the car before had a big blown 6 to 71 uh, small block in it. And I had taken that engine apart, but taking all the parts with me. So in the mm-hmm. front seat was a blower. You know, my cylinder heads were in a box in the back in the bed, along with all my worldly possessions, which didn't take up much room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so they did the feature. And so my first, it's actually my second magazine feature. My first one was not a feature. Another editor who became a longtime friend, Tim Burnsaw, uh, took a shot of my El Camino at the Carcraft Nationals in Hamburg, New York. He was doing work for Truckin' Magazine at the time mm-hmm. uh, and uh, was reporting in from various shows around the country, whether it was an all-truck show or just an anything show. And he used my El Camino as a lead photo of four different trucks, and I was one of them. Uh, but as far as feature, feature, real honest feature, uh, October of 95 was my feature with Hot Rod. So I move out here to California. I guess I got a photo, a, a photo in the bag. And then Custom Classic Truck and Custom Rider featured the El Camino. Started working at Daigle's Rodden Truck in Orange. Um, before I moved to California, I was my main thing was uh, playing music live. Mm-hmm. Um, missed that. Joined a band. Moved from Orange County up to Studio City, California. Moved in with a guitar player of a new band. We started recording the second album. Um, and uh, I sold my El Camino. And started building a 66 Dodge Charger that was known as Scully. And I built that in my shared underground tandem parking garage at my apartment. I, I was going to ask you about that because I remember you telling me that one of your cars you built in a parking garage. Yeah, I built it there and then finished it off at a friend's place. He was the painter at a beer, at a paint shop behind a BMW dealership. And I exchanged work. I rebuilt the small block and the front suspension in his Chevy pickup. And he let, he painted the car for me and let me use his driveway and his little garage to finish the car off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I built that to take on the power tour, this new thing called power tour. Right. And, um, debuted it here at, uh, Pomona and, uh, Hot Rod Magazine featured it. Daytona Magazine Japan featured it. Moper Muscle put it on the cover. End of the year, Hot Rod gave it top 10 car of the year, or one of the top 10 cars yeah. of the year. And on that power tour, I met a really cool guy named Martin Weinreb, you know, really cool 72 Challenger, just black Challenger. And I said, I got a really cool idea for your car. We started working on his car called Glendora in his driveway, his little garage. Finished that up around 2000 or so, went on another power tour with that, featuring Hot Rod, Mopar Muscle, a whole bunch of other books, another top 10 car of the year. <clears throat> and uh, Hot Rod called me up and said, we, we want you to give a, build an El Camino for us. And I'm like, I, I, I don't have a shop. I don't have a garage. I don't have anything. And they're like, are, are you kidding? I'm like, no, I've got this Craftsman three-drawer toolbox that's all i got so they let me build the el camino there the hot rod car craft shop was over by the van nuys airport at that time and uh so i built that car the el camino for them and uh you know started coming to people saying you know you should probably have a, a shop i'm like nobody wants to pay me to work on their car 
And I uh, took a leap of faith. Actually, my foot doctor at the time had a convertible GTO, so we did exchange work. So I was working on his GTO while he did my insoles. <laughs> and uh, that, and uh, I finally got the nerve to co-rent a shop. I got 500 square feet from the worst thing I possibly could have done. The guy was a woodworker. So I had sawdust all oh, over man. everything I was working on. That was awesome. So anyway, I uh, got up the nerve to get my own building or my own unit to rent and uh, built a couple of really cool cars for a really neat Riviera called Tiki Riv that popular hot riding, a couple other books featured. And I uh, uh, sold Scully, my 66 Charger, to a really cool guy named Romeo. And at the same time, we bought a duster here in Simi Valley for him for $100 and we built a car called Dustia uh, that Reggie Jackson bought off him and still owns. Mm -hmm. And we took that car on power tour and that car got cover, pullout poster, screensaver, little diecast car with Johnny lightning, top 10 car of the year. Um, we had the car. Uh, I drove the car, the power tour. Anyway, where we ended over in the East coast, I had the car parked, hot Rogers finished shooting it. And uh, this guy is walking up, looking around the car, looking around the duster. And he goes, hey, it's a really nice car. You should maybe you should like did this or that. And I don't know if I really like that, but that's pretty cool. And I go, are you um, remember everyone who, who hasn't seen or heard of me before? I'm from New York. So you're going <laughs> to take me with a, with a with a grain of salt. But I go, are you uh, are you buying the car? And he goes, no. And I go, well, then who cares what you think? <laughs> it's, you know, who cares? You know, unless you're putting, selling, you know, shelling up some money, you know, you telling me what I should have did with the car really isn't what I feel like hearing, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, fast forward, fast forward like six months, I get a phone call. Now I am living at my shop. My bed is next to my lift. I joined 24 hour fitness. So I have somewhere I can go shower. If you want something, you actually have to want to do it bad enough where you live in a shop. And let me tell you, you haven't had fun to you live in an industrial area where you hear every noise and your unit is the same temperature as it is outside. If it's 114, you're 114. If it's, and believe it or not, it gets really cold in Southern California and not compared to back home in New York, but mm -hmm. cold enough where I'm sleeping three layers with a ski hat and a hair dryer on a, on a little chair next to me blowing warm air on my head. So you, you gotta wanna. So I'm sitting there having my Cheerios at my desk and the phone rings. This guy gets on, he goes, Hey, uh, I'm looking for Steve Strode. And I go guilty. And he goes, hi, my name is David Akeem. Uh, I work for the Chrysler corporation more specifically um Mopar performance um and we uh have been watching what you're doing and you've had a whole bunch of top 10 cars and all this stuff and they're all Chrysler products and we would like to parallel ourselves with Pure Vision we would like Pure Vision and Mopar performance to to run together and for you to use our products so we could cross market and I go wow that's that's really cool and he's like well I've got so and so and so and so that's going to you know other gentlemen high-ranking people that he's going to bring on the call and they get a conference call and he goes uh you remember me and i go no i i, I don't remember you and he goes oh you told me pretty much to go over and uh 
And I go, you're the genius that was telling me what I should have did on the car, on the duster? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, well, well still, still the same to you. <laughs> so uh we i laid plans i called up romeo because he sold the duster to reggie jackson and i said i've got this idea to do a that big dopey early 70s plymouth gtx and the stock they look like they're i I believe my quote was they look like elephants on stilts i go but they're really really curvy put down low and done like european style it'd be really cool so he's down, and Chrysler gave us an engine and a whole bunch of parts. And um, I had the eight-stack intake. It was done like um, the old 392s where they they actually bolt right to the cylinder heads mm-hmm. at an angle. And that was all made by a local uh, gentleman named Chris Wakeham, who was a um, sprint car driver and a master machinist. And it was the world's first paddle-shifted muscle car. In fact, it was... The, at that time, the only cars on the planet that had pedal shifting was Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Nobody else had pedal shifting. So we took it to SEMA. So my first time I go to SEMA, I'm I'm unveiling a car with Chrysler with a <laughs> press conference. And they have it up on this turntable, the GTXR. And I'm like, you know, it, it was very surreal, you know. And um, everybody was sitting there playing with the paddles and uh, having a good time. And one of the coolest things that happened from that, and the mag- the car got in a whole bunch of magazines and blah, 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 blah. Um, but we, I got, or that car got chosen by the editor of Super Street, or Hot Imports, uh, under his top 10 or top whatever cars from SEMA. And he even wrote, wrote, I know, I know, this doesn't belong in here, but just look at it, you know. And the car was all red, with a red gut. And white wheels and white stripes over the front fender, like Grand Sport stripes. Mm-hmm. And people are like, wow, that's really import style. And I'm like, no, that I took the white wheels from the Cadillac prototype Le Mans car, not foreign at all. It's Cadillac. But um, anyway, so that was that was a really big honor. I actually found the phone number to call the editor and go, wow, you know, you crossed over barriers in front of your readership. Mm-hmm. And said, this thing is so cool, I, I had to include it. That That's a really big compliment when someone from the other the other side of our industry that focuses on different um, mm-hmm. different style of cars uh, felt you made enough of an impact to, in, to include it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. And then it's just been uh, unbelievably fortunate. I've become really good friends with a lot of the editors and people in the media and the press. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? I, I am still thankful. Every time we do a photo shoot, I send thank yous. I call and it's been, you know, since 95 that the people in the press, whether it be video or whether it be uh, print feel that the stuff we're building is something that their readership or their viewership would like to see or learn about. Um, uh, it's not like the old days, you know, when I was reading hot rod, uh, back home in Appalachian, my heroes and my hero still is Scott Sullivan, Matt and Debbie Hay, Mark Grimes, and you older guys will know all their names. They were the pro street Kings. Mm-hmm. And those do did cars at the level, like what I'm doing, or I'm trying to reach their level is the more honest thing. They did that at home. I was just talking with Matt. Hey, he brought that pink Thunderbird out because it's being made a Hot Wheels car. And we there was a whole thing going on. We drove down and hung out and I got parked next to him and I had never met him. 
and got to, and his wife Debbie. They in the magazines are so cool. It was never Matt here. It was Matt and Debbie here, mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. So met them both and just wonderful, wonderful people. And Matt was telling me when he was building that car, and he had built other cars before that T Bird, other cars that I knew of, but the T Bird was a really big impact. And Ravel did a model kit right. of it, and it was right. it was a huge, huge hit car. He goes, I don't even have a brake. I'd take the aluminum and lower my garage door where I need to bend it, bend it, and then put the garage door back up. So again, you know, if you want to bad enough, necessity is the mother of invention. You mm-hmm. know, go go do it. Look at what Matt Hay did in his garage in the 80s. Unbelievable. And the car still is gorgeous. The scar the car still turns heads. <laughs> sitting there let alone going yeah. down a street well you so, could even uh, go back to the early days of hot rodding you know kids building uh, you know doyle gamel coop i think it was chopped in his mom's driveway or something you know sure. like oh, these yeah, guys there's... didn't need big shops to build their cars yeah, yeah and really famous drag racers like the surfers mm-hmm. you know those those were four, four dudes building it in a garage in socal you know a rail dragster and a lot of guys did back then they had them had the cars at home nevertheless i've been very very fortunate for all the media that has been following along and continues to uh follow with what we're doing let alone you know what we're doing right now you know for for speedway and you to believe that i'm worth the airtime uh, that someone would be even interested in what I have to say or what I've done is is a compliment, and and I appreciate the opportunity. But that's really up to now. You know, the shop's been open two thousand one, and um, just amazing hard work. I've got the greatest guys on the planet. Two of my guys, Pete and Kelly, have been with me for sixteen, seventeen years. And for those of you in this industry, that's a long time for someone to stay at a hot rod shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have great loyal people who are brilliant, they're smart, they're hardworking, uh, and most importantly, they're great humans. They're mm-hmm. really nice people. I can trust them. Uh, and we've done just some amazing things because I am a small shop. Believe me, I've been to my contemporaries like uh, Scott Bernowski at Hot Rods and Hobbies. His shop is like Taj Mahal. It's unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Just like everything he builds. Everything they do down there is stunning and incredible. Uh, my shop is not like that. But yet, because of hard work and great people working with me and lots of talent, um, we've won the Ford Design Award at SEMA, car of the show, three times. We've won the General Motors uh, Design Award once eh, trying to get more but um we also unprecedented we won four of of those four we won three a ford a gm a ford back to back to back three years in a row mm-hmm. um and then you know really wonderful accolades and awards at grand national roadster show and other things like that uh bob florian's 57 wagon won the street riders uh street ride of the year uh, so again, we're so fortunate. <clears throat> we worked really hard to do a good job and I've got brilliant people around me that take my crazy ideas and make them real. Uh, but again, super fortunate that, um, all this different, the different media outlets like what we do and feel that again, their viewership or their readership would enjoy learning about what it is we we had put together so that's kind of up now and and along the way i lucked out and got involved with mattel before i opened my shop i actually had a job doing prototype work for mattel 
met a bunch of the guys that, you know, were managers or engineers down there or marketing people. I opened my shop. I'm starting to travel, going to car shows. And on the air, in the airports, I'd run into those guys here and there at LAX. And I joked around and said, how many, uh, how many big feature cars I got to do before I can have some of my own toys? Ha ha. You know, and I met it totally. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's put a meeting together next week. And I go, what? <laughs> and uh, so I did a really cool 12 car line. And they, the mo- normal Hot Wheels are 64th scale. Mm-hmm. These were a little bigger at 50th scale. And uh, went global. And part of my contract is they put my Pure Vision logo in the back window of each car. And the whole packaging on the back was Pure Vision and a thing about the shop. I mean, you know, that that's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, that's unheard of. And also, while this is also happening, I'm doing a bunch of filming, different shows, being asked to be on different stuff. Um, was part of a really great program called cars.tv and the episode we did building the anvil Mustang. We wanted daytime Emmy with it. Hmm. Um, and then I got approached uh, after doing some video work for Ford's, uh, Mustang's 50th anniversary. The guy that was directing that called me up like out of the blue, six months after filming with me and said, Hey, me and my my partner and we have a you know production company and we want to we want to take you to uh, discovery motor trend and do a show with you and which we did and forced the issue that there would be no scripts there's not going to be any you know bearded tattoo lunatics throwing wrenches and fake arguments and uh, i had very we'll just leave it this simple i had very blunt conversations about mm-hmm. that and i would not allow it and um the coolest thing is after we we took a year and a half to film six episodes because uh, I wouldn't rush anything. We would not fake anything. And since then, they've still been rerunning it here and overseas in Europe. And I've gotten tons of really great you know people coming up to me or emailing or calling. And the coolest thing isn't the high majority of them all don't go oh you're the greatest builder in the world or your designs are the coolest ever every one of them or all but every one of them are like thank you so much for not having a fake show right and actually just explaining how you design and how you guys build and showing us putting together a cool car which is exactly what i told the brass like oh that's that's what any real car guy wants to watch so and then also when you said, you know, how did we get to this point? Also, I got asked to be in, we had cars in three of the Fast and Furious movies. Um, most people know Hammer, the car at the end of Tokyo Drift. Would, um, they they pull it out at the very, very end um, and use it for a, a scene they added on to bring Vin Diesel's character back into the franchise. Um, so lots of really cool, amazing things and opportunities that um it's because i i i love this Uh, Mm -hmm. plus as everyone watching knows car guys are like the nicest guys on the planet absolutely all my friends all the people i do business with your yourself included just really nice as i said about my employees they're really nice humans they're really nice people whether they're all into you know corner vets and camaros and you know, blowing fuel alters it is not the point. Vast majority of car guys are usually really down to earth, nice, pleasant people. Um, so that's made it 
you know, really easy to be in this industry because you're surrounded by good people. Mm-hmm. Um, the magazines love featuring your cars because it's not just, well, we threw these wheels on because we thought they would look cool. Like there's always my perception of your cars is that they're always super well thought out. I mean, like the Martini Mustang, you know, who comes up with that? Like, let's take basically an EV car. car motor. My favorite car that I've done is the Martini. That was going to be one of my questions because that's, I mean, like, I'm going to be honest and say, that's my favorite car that you've done too. Just because it's, it's like such a cool blending of all of these crazy ideas, but it's just a perfect package. And so, so my bigger question, I guess, other than gushing about the Mustang is like, how, what is your, how would you describe your philosophy or your style when it came to approaching a project like that? So when I, when I design a car, I'm going in in a, in a certain direction. In the case of the Martini Mustang, I try to take a, a, a good amount of reality, history, and plausible reality. So uh, the Martini is a good example. So Ford, their first racing with the Mustang was racing at the Tour de France rally in Europe in October of 64. The Mustang took first and second place. Hmm. That allows me to springboard with my imagination of, ah, Ford is perfectly fine with racing the Mustang in Europe. Good. What if I fast forward and Ford got involved with Martini, arguably one of the most famous libraries in in road racing Mm -hmm. next to golf? Right. Martini is usually always with Porsche, but who cares? Anything could have happened in the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. Now, sharp motorsports historians watching this know that Martini was not doing anything really in the mid 60s it was a little later again who cares you know it's my sandbox i can play with it ford also in 66 won indy with jim clark the little matchbox i was talking about Mm -hmm. with a ford lotus designed four cam small block that motor later they were all stamped lmi lewis meyer industry which is the motor that's in the martini it's an lmi stamped block those, the remaining ones, were bought up by AJ Foyt, restamped AJF, and were used in sprint cars. And they were reversed, the cylinder head. So here you have your Indy car with your bundle of snakes coming out the top and going to the back. Mm-hmm. You unbolt the heads and switch them. Now the exhaust ports are on the bottom. Right. That's how they use them in a sprint car with headers out the side. So I went down to Ed Pink's, and I wanted to use a Cosworth motor. And uh, Frank Hounsowith at the time was running Pink's. And um, he said, you don't want that noise because you have to preheat the oil and the antifreeze before you can even start the thing up. I went, Ugh, what else you got? He goes, ooh, we got this Indy 4 cam motor. And I'm like, mine is it. You know, and he showed me, I go, oh, the thing in Jimmy Clark, yeah. He goes, we can convert these. It's, you know, Hillborn style eight stack. He goes, we can convert that to EFI. Have Ed, you know, redo the math and back off the cams. And you could, you know, 9,000 RPM this on the street. I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
And so, so now I want to put this, this, um, four cam motor in a Mustang and I'm doing more, you know, I'm putting together the theme. I want to do the martini library. I want to do it like a rally car. And so I'm, I have, I over there in my study, I have every issue printed of hot rod magazine. And so I'm flipping through cause that's a reference library, mm-hmm. let alone all the other books I have. And smack on the cover of Hot Rod Magazine is a 67 Mustang with a Indy 4 cam motor in it, built but with uh, auto light, I believe, to go to Bonneville to set records. Mm-hmm. So now I'm completely justified that Ford would put an Indy 4 cam motor in a Mustang to do something with motorsports. Mm-hmm. Already, already done. So I do a what if Ford got together with Martini and said, hey, we want some on-the-road miles on this 4-cam motor. It's already lived the wide-open throttle at the Indy 500. Should be able to drive around, you know? And um, so I set the car up with, you know, the foot support for the for the guy who's reading the directions, reading the notes, and all these little things from Road Rally. I went over to Goodwood over in England and bought a bunch of cool switches and warning lights that are all European stuff. And uh, voila, the car is born. Mm-hmm. So all of it's never happened, but it's all based on plausible. And when you do it, you go all the way, go to the, the 1%, 2%. Mm-hmm. I found out while reading about Mustangs in Europe that Ford did not have the rights to use the word Mustang on their car. So a Mustang shipped to England had a badge on it called the T5. So that's so, why it's the T5R. I could never figure out. Okay. I use the R from the 350 GT350 R. So it's a T5R, which never existed, but it did in my garage. Um, and then mixed old and new, that unbelievable motor, but yet all the suspension was mm-hmm. Detroit Speed stamps their cradles, their suspensions, mm-hmm. and that that the, the suspension in the Martini Mustang is serial number two. Number <laughs> one's in their test meal. Oh, that's cool. Um, so we unveiled brand new, brand new product on the car, but yet it looks like an old 60s right. race car. It, it's a lot of fun to drive. Amazing car. Favorite, my favorite car. There's other ones really close, but the Martini, just that motor was just, that was it. For pictures of a few of the cars mentioned in today's episode, check out the toolbox at speedwaymotors.com by clicking the toolbox link on the front page. New episodes of What Moves You come out every two weeks on Tuesdays. If you like what you hear, tell a friend to listen to What Moves You on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. So I want to, speaking of your philosophy, kind of go to the other end of the spectrum. You know, people who are listening to this are going to think like, yeah, well, you know, anybody can throw a ton of money at an an indie car engine at a car and make it cool. But your Oldsmobile, it's the other end of the spectrum completely. How Talk about your philosophy when it comes to something like that. Going with everything's a theme, that makes it safe because it, it should corral you. All your decisions should go with that theme. Mm-hmm. Don't stray outside of it. In other words, don't build a nostalgia day two muscle car and then put three piece HRE wheels on it. Even though three piece HRE wheels are works of art, it's not the right part. 
for the car. Mm-hmm. It visually doesn't go with the plan. So my Oldsmobile, I just wanted something fun to drive. And it actually started life as something called Project Long Weekend. Everything on the car was something you could do over a long weekend. Hold down the Hotchka suspension, put in the vintage air, put in Dynamat sound deadening, put in the Dakota digital gauges, put in the disc brakes, all of it over a long weekend. And we were going to film it that way. And it didn't work out that way. And then we wound up putting it on the show, having me, having me finish it. And that car is intended to be driven cross-country. Everything about it is getting it, be comfortable, drive and cruise. And uh, I had discovered those those Cragger mags that look like like Hearst old wheels. Mm-hmm. And I never, I don't know how I missed them. And they are like perfect for Oldsmobiles and Pontiacs. And they're like 190 bucks a rim. You know, 17s. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, uh, that's perfect. Just a nice clean. The, the color I found on a Mercedes at a parking lot at a pizzeria. It's um Mercedes quartz blue. And I did the interior and saddle. And the interior, I vinyl dyed the dash pad. No, a correction. I gave it to just dashes to restore. The door panels are out of uh, like OPG. And the seats, I found a pair of used Porsche Panamera seats for 600 bucks for the pair. Free shipping. I don't know how I worked that out because they weigh a ton. And they're like multiple way power everything heated and cooled. <laughs> I had to purchase, I think it cost me 10 bucks for the wiring diagram for the seats. 31 pages of wiring diagram for the driver's seat <laughs> so we could find the four wires that provide power to the switches to make all the motors work mm-hmm. and the wire for the seat heater and the wire to provide power to the seat cooler. The Porsche controls it all on the flat screen where you can make it hotter or colder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we had to just put switches in the side of the seat, but who cares? I have an on-off switch for the heater. And then for the fan, I have a rocker switch, low and high speed for the cooler. Most fully powered, heated, cooled seats are really thick. You know, mm-hmm. these seats, I kid you not, are like that. Hmm. They're engineering marvel. And they sit perfectly flat. You got to like modify the front tabs to, put, to, to have two bolt holes here. And the back ones already have holes in the back. Putting it in my Oldsmobile, it's like, except for the wiring nonsense that Pete, right. you know, deciphered all the, the wiring. Um, but it's got a, a hidden, awesome sound system from Kicker. It's straightforward. It's a, a self-powered subwoofer and one amp driving six by nines in the back and six inches in the kicks. You know, Dynamat, Dynaliner, Dynapad. And um, it's got a 200R transmission that I got. 20 some years ago me and an editor at hot rod named terry mcgeehan he's now there he's been the editor at hemmings muscle machines forever mm-hmm. but he was at hot rod at the time we went down to pick your part in sun valley half price weekend got the transmission for 20 bucks out of a uh out of a oldsmobile station wagon run it back changed the filter put it in my buick i drove it around for 15 years like that pulled it out refreshed it, painted it, put it in my Oldsmobile. Boom. You know, I did, I, the, when I bought the Oldsmobile, somebody had it for sale out in front of a 
Yamaha Triumph motorcycle dealership and uh, had a freshly gone through little 330 Oldsmobile in mm-hmm. it. I put a Joe Mandela cam in it, Edelbrock intake and carburetor, converted it to HEI and a police heavy-duty alternator. Yeah. So just a really clean, straightforward car. And, and uh, Scotty at Dynamet called me up. He had somebody back out. And you need a car in the booth at SEMA, and we mm-hmm. we didn't have one of our you know big deal cars done. And I said I got my Oldsmobile. It's nice. It's you know it's a nice car, but it's mm-hmm. you know, he's like just bring that. So I brought it, and I like throngs around it, and different <laughs> people uh, like Todd Ryden, who who has his own marketing thing now, but he mm-hmm. was, he did tons and tons of stuff for MSD back in the day. He was like, this is my favorite car here. I'm like, have you walked around? There's a lot of you know <laughs> nice stuff here. And he's like, no, he goes, I could go home and build this thing. Maybe not to your level, but I could, I could go build this thing right now. And I'm like, mm, yeah. Very straightforward car. But again, that was the, that was the, the program. I wanted a really nice little simple street machine with cool little touches to it that were neat and fun and uh, nice colors. So it looks good going down the road. And so that's what I focused on mm-hmm. was doing something, you know, like that. So I'm, I, we're, uh, everything I do is like that, but an example is the one we're bringing a 67 Chevelle to SEMA this year, um, in Dynamat's booth. And it is aqua on aqua and white. It's what I'm referring to as the anti SEMA car because <laughs> it's not murdered out, mm-hmm. triple grays. Slammed on the ground with 24s and twin turbos with engine covers, and it, there's none of that. It, uh, it has a semi flat black engine bay like factory. We deburred the block in the heads, it has a 500, 511 inch big block in it with Weber carburetors. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! <laughs> and um, 17 inch um, ET3 five spokes, full polished, all its factory chrome. It is in Malibu. We did not make it a fake SS. It doesn't have an SS hood. It doesn't have an SS blacked out tail panel. Mm-hmm. But believe me, especially the interior, the seat inserts, I bought the last roll in the country, five foot by five foot three inches of roll of 62 Dodge Polara seat insert material. That's this funky 60s, like all these different layers of thin little rectangles overlapping them in like three different shades of turquoise, aqua. Oh man. And uh it's it's real funky groovy, but it's a real street it's a real nice street machine. Mm-hmm. It's a nice mix of, you know, the suspension's Detroit speed. You know, will would brakes. It'll be able to go down a road just fantastic. Mm-hmm. But but uh, and and those colors are really light, you know, light aqua and the interior being white and aqua, you know, it's it's not dark sinister, you know, trying to whatever it is. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and it'll be. Um, I don't know if you saw the scamp we did for Bob Florine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing. We brought that last year, and it's butternut yellow with a cream interior, and it's very different than Park to the Sea of dark, evil, sinister cars you mm-hmm. know, everywhere. So it it was its own. You know, it was like a little dandelion. You know, sitting there in the middle of the field. <laughs> um, and it was fun. It's nice to bring something fresh. And, and and the cars aren't complicated. These aren't, you know, they're not like the, the twin turbo Camaro we did or mm-hmm. um, 
other cars with tons and tons of work, like Bob's two-door wagon. Um, I, I, and I try really, really hard to design something that's going to look great 20 years from now. There's no trendy. I don't do anything trendy because everything is based off historic most of the time. With right. Well, and it also seems like your cars sort of pay tribute to the car that it's based on. You know, your Chevelle still looks like a Chevelle. Your Mustang oh, still looks yes. like a Mustang. It's not chopped and three-quarter scale and four-inch wide fender flares. And yeah. No. And I say that with now condescension, but I have, you know, I have built things like that that don't really look like the things that they're supposed to be. But, you know, 20 years from now, they might not be quite as cool. Yeah, I, I, I like the opportunity for it to age gracefully. And still, you know, someone go, hey, that's a good looking fill in the blank. You know, mm-hmm. That's a good looking Mustang. Cool. You know, um, so I, I try very hard at that. But usually you don't have to focus a lot on that if you're if your designs and your programs um, or your ideas are, are based in, you know, something concrete, you know, traditional mm-hmm. or what have you. It gives it a fighting chance. Now. I've said this before in other interviews. I want to make it really, really clear. There's nothing wrong with pushing the edge and pushing the envelope, and it has to happen. Um, So there's always the dudes that are going to go, you know, full bore and crazy mods and all the rest. And I try to do it in a subtle way. I've done cars with crazy mods, uh, but we we try to have it blend in with the project. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I... I've I've said this before in other interviews in the past where I kind of look at designing or hot rodding um, like cooking. You need that weird, barely anything on the plate, $350 plate of French, whatever it is. You need it to keep evolving the culinary world, but you also need it to prove how fundamental, how cornerstone chicken noodle soup is. Chicken noodle soup is as bare bones basic as it gets, but it always works, especially when you need it, when you're sick, not feeling good. Mm-hmm. Chicken noodle soup, that is a, that's a flat line deal, but it's, it, it's, it's, it proves, it weighs itself by default against that plate of whatever the hell that is, (laughs) you know, that's Mm going to come and go. That's going to get forgotten next year after the next amazing chef comes with the next thing, but nobody's forgotten chicken noodle soup ever, whether it be in a can or your grandma's. So they both counterbalance each other. So what I try for that, or I should say what I'm comfortable doing is I try to have my own, Lightly tweaked, oh, that's pleasant, flavorful, but a little different chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. I stay there in that anchor, but I do my own little version. Right. You know, you stop at some roadside cafe and they've got this version of chicken noodle soup. Like, wow, that's really good. That's what I try for. You know, it's something that is based. You're comfy with it. You know it. But it's a new version of it. Like, wow, that's just fantastic. So I know that sounds weird, but it's the best way for me to kind of vocalize uh, my design mind frame. No, I love that. I think that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so what now, what are you working on now? And what, what are your 
plans for the future? I mean, anything that you're that you you can discuss that's not top secret. Well, the Chevelle that we're showing up with, uh, we've got a wide body seventy one Corvette that's going to come out. That's really cool. Side pipes, flares, very seventies. Um, we have a sixty seven Corvette Roadster that we haven't started yet. That's going to be really nice but a lot of little modifications but you're gonna have to be a corvette guy to know we even did it mm -hmm. um and we have another mustang a 66 fastback that uh yeah <laughs> we're we're hopefully filming that I mean, it's I'm being filmed with friends. I'm not having a network coming, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and hopefully, we're also doing a book about it. Um, it's going to be as much as a documentary of history as it's going to be. Hey, check out this cool car we're building. Mm -hmm. It's got some really big names attached to it. An extremely cool engine. Um, yeah, that that car is going to be that. That's a few years away, but. That that car is going to be one of the next. That's going to be a heavy hit car, mm -hmm. which is neat because it's based on almost all old speed parts mm -hmm. and some stuff that really nobody can get their hands on. That I've been very fortunate to be allowed to get my hands on. Mm -hmm. So um, that's going to be that's going to be one. There's a coming down the pike. There's going to be a really cool '67 uh, pickup. That I will say this much: when it's done. Please remember, you heard it here from me. I had that truck designed years before everybody was building C tents. Right. I had it originally designed for George Poti, uh, and he wound up. You know, he just invested so much in doing so much with the land speed racing that mm -hmm. that was that. And that's fine. And uh, another gentleman uh, overheard me talking about it at lunch and said he wanted to do it. So. The truck has been purchased. All the really special parts that make the truck have been purchased. He's in line waiting to get his turn in the shop. So that thing's going to be pretty darn cool, too. You know, you yeah. talk about your hot rod library. You know, you know old hot rods just as well as anybody. And so this pickup that you're building is kind of, I mean, it's just kind of an old-timey hot rod with some yeah. twist, right? Yeah. I I've, I've got a I got a really really neat little uh, 1931 Model A pickup that um, the gentleman that owned it uh, passed away, and he was uh, he was a machinist and an ex naval officer. I was told, uh, and it shows in the truck. Um, and I've got registrations in a leather little satchel, leather pouch in the truck. I had he never threw away his registration slips. And I've got it going back 52, 53 years. I don't know how long in total he's owned the truck, but I know he had it at least 50-some years. Um, split wishbones, juice brakes, uh, little hopped-up Corvette small block, LaSalle three-speed trans, um, uh, Culver City cast quick change. Uh, which is really early mm -hmm. and extremely cool. Not a ton of them. So I am going to, 
Uh, I'm going to change the rear to an actual drive shaft instead of the torque tube. I'm going to take all his work underneath there and perfect it, clean up everything, and either paint it or chrome plate it. Um, I'm going to do a different drop axle. I'm going to put a little more of a drop in it. I have a extremely cool uh, 65 Corvette 327 that Jeff Smith has rebuilt for me. Mildly high strung, and it's got a fully polished tunnel ram, polished velocity stacks, polished Corvette valve covers, chrome plated uh, water pump, polished finned uh, oil pan. Um, the truck's going to go all hunter orange. I love Model A pickups in orange or in yellow. Um, so all hugger orange, and if it's not going to be orange, it's going to be chrome plated. I'm going to chrome the firewall. Very 60s angel hair show car. Mm-hmm. Um, no hood or hood sides, just wide open to that tunnel ramp motor. Um, but and and a four speed, taking the LaSalle three speed out. I've got a four speed for it. Really, really neat, fun hot rod. It's very, very clear that it's a hot rod, that's for sure. And I love, uh, love 60s racing, whether it be NASCAR, sprint car, drag racing. This will obviously be extremely heavily visually leaned towards um, drag racing. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I'm picturing it with Krager SS wheels, but I don't believe you would do that. What Do you have the wheels picked out yet? Oh, they're... They're, they're polished real wheels, Halibrands. Oh, okay, like the big window, big like window a Halibrand sprint. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the Eric Vaughn's real wheels, actually, with the Pat that owns real riders wheels, same wheel. Mm-hmm. And then the rear is what they call a trick eight. They take the face of a 10 inch rim and then weld an eight on the back. So it, from the front, it has the deep dish of a 10, right. but it's only the width of the eights so can fit in the little fenders and then right. polish little four and a half or five inch fronts. And uh, yeah, that against orange is going to look pretty boss. Okay. Well, I'll paint the, paint the quick change bells, but polish the center and chrome plate the buggy spring and a lot of very traditional hot rod um, visual cues. I mean, that, that brings us up to date, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I have that in my 67 Buick Skylark. That's done like a mid, like a late sixties, funny car. We got a, I, I put a four bar and a dropped axle in that, which was not easy to do because I can tell you right now, the front of a 67 GMA body has nothing to do with the front of a 32 Ford. No. With, nothing, nothing, nothing. And you would think you would have more room in the A body, the Skylark, the Chevelle, nah, no, it's worse. The motor's in a completely different location compared where the center line of the of the uh, front axle is. Axle on the thirty two four, it's underneath the radiator, out front of the motor. Mm-hmm. The axle, the 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 center line of the front wheels is through the middle of the engine on a Chevelle, and I move the wheels forward five inches like a funny car, put the wheels all the way up to the front bumper. And still, that axle has to go underneath the engine. And I've got a blown 426 Hemi in the thing <laughs> with full zoomies and slicks. And it's going to run on the street that way. It's so, not, that's not done yet, right? No, it's in okay. bare metal. And it's okay. been sitting. Of course, I've got, I'm the shoemaker with no shoes. Right. 
Uh, I did finish the Oldsmobile. I am driving the Oldsmobile. I've I've heard you talk about that that Buick before, and I I mean that just sounds wild. I can't wait to see it done. Yeah, it's it's nasty. It's 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 pretty cool, and I've owned it a long time. I bought it off a, a lady, believe it or not, in Pasadena, <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Reinhold. Her and her husband moved here from Germany in the end of '66. They bought the car in February of '67. And I bought it in 96. Hmm. So 67 to 96, they owned it 29 years. Mm -hmm. Right. I've owned it since 96. So I'm climbing up on owning it as long as they did. Did it run when you bought it? Oh, it was, it was parked on carpet in her garage when I got it. Still had the rear fender skirts on. And you made it into a funny car. It was my daily car. I drove it every day. Some, some Buick Buick nut out there is going to be listening to this and go nuts about you turning a car like that into a funny car. I think it's fantastic. But yeah, I I I, I all but immediately put it on the ground, just slammed it, mm-hmm. and had a cool set of uh, like center lines on it, and just it's white with a blue interior and a blue blue vinyl top, and drove it like that for years. <laughs> and it sat bitching. I had my my old painter, the guy before Mick Russ Stevenson. I was following him somewhere and he was going to drop off a car and then we were going to go to lunch or something. And he dropped the car off and he got in the car and he goes, you want to sell this thing? And I go, no, he goes, dude, this thing coming around a corner looks like a shark. (laughs) Awesome. And I'm like, hell no, you can't sell it. I'm never, I'm never, I'm never selling it. So you can't buy it, but (laughs) it's going to be aggressive going down the highway with, with full slicks and full zoomies and a blown Hemi and yeah. That'd be pretty nasty. Thanks to Steve Stroke for being our guest today. And thanks to all of you for listening to What Moves You, a Speedway Motors podcast. To see photos we referenced in today's episode, visit the toolbox at speedwaymotors.com. Email the podcast at podcast at speedwaymotors.com. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend where to find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks for our season finale.